This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, you're listening to The Middle, injecting soul into the everyday. Because margaritas and the bachelorette are just as soulful as medis and self-care. We're your hosts, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Hello, Holly. Hello, Jordana Levine. I have a really beautiful comment that I would love to share from the Facey group. Let's hear it. It's from one of our listeners, Alexandra Riordan, and she says, Wow, this time last year was the biggest state of chaos in my whole entire life. We made lots of life-changing decisions. Interesting to hear the episode today as I've had apprehension about it being the same time of year again. It's so good to know that I'm not imagining these feelings and there's a basis for it. I drive a lot and I love your podcast. I seriously used to listen to about 10 others and now yours is the only one. And then I listen to my Audible books. You girls have amazing chemistry and I could just listen to you for hours on end as I always find a million things per episode to relate to and things to go and look into. So much alignment. Thank you. So nice. So nice. Because we think we have chemistry too. So (laughs) it's nice to hear it's translated. Absolutely. We have great chemistry. We've always had chemistry like from the day we first met. Oh, my God. (laughs) I remember it so well. (laughs) I remember it like it was the beginning of this year, which it kind of was. (laughs) It wasn't, Holly. I know. It was a few years ago. But that's all right. You don't remember it. It's all right. I know. I remember we're in about life and it was over a checkout and we were buying chips. We were. I think I was buying a banjo bear, but yes. I think I was buying chips. (laughs) That is so good. It is so us. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What's going on? What's happening with you this week? What is the dealio? I'm excited because it's officially the launch today of my new program, My Body, My Home. Oh, congratulations, honey. So exciting. It is. It's been this nine-month gestation period. I feel like I'm finally birthing. The contractions have been hard and they've been long, but we're there. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. But I've honestly, Jord, in the lead-up to this, and especially this week in pre-launch, I've been in this all like this world of body image and I would love to have a conversation with you around your experience with it because I find it fascinating and it's one of those things that it doesn't matter where in the world you're based how old you are as women we've all got a story to share when it comes to our relationship with our body right absolutely yeah can you share with me a little <laughs> bit about yours? Let's just jump right in. Um, Let's go. How were you with your body when you were five years old? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was trying to think in the lead up to this when I started to really have a concept of my body and the um, stories that I would tell around it and, and actually starting to have feelings ab- about it. 
And I, I couldn't really pinpoint the moment, but I do remember I hit puberty quite early in terms of developing. Mm. Um, and I, my, my mum was always very, 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 very lean without trying, like very lean. And I started to develop boobs and hips like at quite a young age and it just sort of came out of nowhere. I guess I wasn't really expecting it because mum was such a beanpole. I don't know. Yeah. 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 It was an odd experience. So I think maybe like 11 or 12, I sort of started to have a concept of it and started to kind of see the difference between me and other people. Yes. A divide. Yes, I can resonate so much with that, Joe, because similarly when I think back to starting to notice changes in my body, it was that comparison piece. Mm. My friends weren't developing as quickly as me because I do have a similar body shape to my mum, but it was that piece of, oh, I'm starting to look different and there's a difference in my body, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like um, it, it doesn't start off as their body's better than mine it just starts off as why is my body different from theirs yes and not wanting to be seen in your difference yeah yeah Mm. um and then I guess I was obsessed with magazines were you obsessed with magazines I had about 50 subscriptions to all magazines same same (laughs) I remember my stepmom got me a subscription to girlfriend magazine (gasps) I must have been quite young maybe like 13 or 14 um, and I, like every month, that was my favorite time of the month when Girlfriend came in. And then I started buying Dolly. And then, I mean, I also had like TV hits and smash hits and all of those. Of course. And you know what? Even though they weren't specifically girls' magazines, it gave you this picture of what women, inverted commas, look like, right? In their yeah. scantily clad pop star outfits. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when I really started to compare myself. I remember looking at like, uh, well, Dolly did it as well, but the girlfriend modeling comp and all the yes. girls that would come through it and yeah. just think, oh, wow, I really don't have the same body shape as any of those girls. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm not sure at what point I was like, I dislike my body in comparison I'm not sure when that came in do you did you go through that I want to talk to that piece around the girlfriend modeling comp just because it's so resonant for me my cousin won that competition yeah that's right so she's now an incredibly successful supermodel she's walked in Victoria's Secret and all of these things so for me there was that connection with family as well and that comparison piece of my body doesn't look like that and it's not just the celebrities in the magazine but it's immediate family members that I'm spending time with at Christmas and I feel for me it it just highlighted again those points of difference. I I agree with you. I think because we grew up in an age where it wasn't about scrolling on the phones, it was about flicking through the magazines. And one of the biggest points of selling for magazines, and it, they still do it, and I don't know how it still sells, but I used to love, Jord, froth on a bikini body special. Oh, my God, me too. I like, used... This is the one. This yeah. is the special that's going to make the difference. Yeah, NW. Okay, I had the stack (laughs) and I was just like, show me how this celebrity went from drab to fab in 12 days. (laughs) Fucking hell. And it's so sad, Jordan, knowing what we know now, but in those, I guess we're highly impressionable. Like we're hitting puberty, we're absorbing what's around us and what's around us is mainstream media and celebrity. 
Yeah. I think, I, I don't know about you, I, I think we're the same, I and mean, we've spoken about this, but, but sp- speak about it live in the putty. Um, <laughs> I, the, the issue that I had growing up was even if I tried to do the things they said in the magazines, which are always very unhealthy and unrealistic, it didn't really make a difference to my body. So I had this real um, kind of battle with myself because even when I tried, it's like the hormonal movements it was going through to grow into whatever curvaceous banging butt it grew into. Um, None of the, you know, none of the diets, inverted commas, actually made a difference. And I found that very frustrating. And, you know, I've spoken about my tumultuous time with my body growing up. I'm not going to go into it again. But I had a real disconnect from my body. So I reckon from about the age of 15, it was my body and me were two separate things. Absolutely. I was talking to a girlfriend about this the other day, Jord, where I was reminiscing on a time it was coming up to the year 10 formal. So my girlfriends and I must have been 15, 16. And I don't know if you're familiar with the hot pants workout. No. <laughs> okay. It's actually so heavy. It's a, it was a DVD based workout that came with these little gold hot pants. Oh, I and thought in you the were lead joking. up. No, I'm not joking. No, I'm actually not joking. We were 15 and 16. We all bought the hot pants workout. Oh and it was in the lead up to the formal. We were like literally doing this fucking weird booty squat workout for formal. And? It was insane. Were you planning I... on wearing hot pants to the formal? <laughs> Like, I was pretty covered up, actually, because I was so ashamed of my body. So I was pretty covered. But it was just this collective belief as all of the girls in the schoolyard were doing something to get their body ready for formal. And I think it was around that year nine, year 10 period for me, where especially because you started to notice the opposite sex. And it was like, I want boys to like me. And that's about my body. And that weird warped connection with my physical is for other people, not for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So because of that, I actually went the opposite and I started to hide Mm. because like you, George, I developed really young. I was, you know, wearing bras when I was 11 and 12 and I was known at school and through my friends as the one with the big boobs and I tried to own that but I also felt really ashamed of it. And so I just dress to not flatter myself and then I'd feel gross in the clothes that I was wearing and then I'd feel gross about myself. And it's like this perpetuating cycle because the clothes that we wear are such a key part of our identity and how we feel about ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. covering ourselves up, it's we're covering up an innate part of ourselves that wants to feel good. And here's the thing, right? Like we're talking about things that happened when we were 15, 16, I think you carry the shame of that child through with you. And even as your body changes, as you reach your 20s and your 30s, which mine definitely did, um, I still carry the shame of a 15-year-old and the vulnerability of a 15-year-old sometimes, even though I know better now. Um, And I think that can be one of the hardest things for people to shake. It's like, you know, when they talk about these people who have been like – grossly overweight like to a point of ill health yeah and they lose like you know 50 60 kilos or something and they still look in the mirror and can't see the thin healthy person yes because it's yes. because they haven't dealt with the shame and the and the guilt and the trauma you know, and the comparison and everything they went through when they were 
you know, a, a bigger size. And um, I, I get that. Like, I totally understand that. Yeah, I, I had a personal experience when I, I've spoken before. I, there was a phase in my life where I was really unhappy with my life. So I thought, I'll lose weight and tone up and then life's going to feel great. And I did one of those 12-week challenges. You take the before and after photos. And George, by the end of that program, I weighed less than I've weighed in years, like so, so long. I was t- There was nothing of me. And I remember clear as day looking at myself in the mirror after the challenge and just being like, – just berating myself, just mm. talking so down on myself. There was no feeling of accomplishment. There was no feeling of love for my body because I hadn't processed what was actually underneath it all, which are these layers of shame and guilt and comparison and vibrational energies that we carry. And if and this is this is what's wrong, I feel, Jord, in the world of body love and body body celebration and body shame is if we're not actually looking at the feelings and the emotions of shame and love as energetic vibrations and we're not shifting them, we will carry that no matter what we look like in the mirror. It doesn't matter. We're not changing anything. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because I talk about I talk about it in Make It Make It Happen. I was like, what's that book called? What's my called? book called? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I talk about it in Make It Happen in the self-worth and self-love chapter. Um, this whole idea of wasted energy that goes into our body image crap. I used to play this game. I still play it sometimes that I like to call pull, push, rotate and lift. And it's when you stand in front of the mirror in your undies and you pull your thighs up, you push, you push the sides of your thighs in, then you turn the other way, you rotate, and then you lift your butt up. And that's what you do with your body until it looks better. I used to do that like every 15 minutes in the mirror as if something was going to shift. I'd do it in all the different mirrors in the house before I went out. And then if I found one mirror that I looked good in, I was like, oh, that's a skinny mirror or this is good lighting. And then yeah. if I didn't like what I saw, I was like, oh, this is a bad mirror. This must be bad lighting. I'm like, okay, so what exactly are you looking for? Because you're not satisfied either way. A hundred percent. And all you're doing is wasting your wasting your energy and lowering your vibration. Absolutely. And then that perpetuates the stories that you're telling ourselves. And what we know about that is we become the thoughts that we're thinking. So... Yeah. I, do you know what this reminds me of, Jord? And it's, I mean, it's obvious in all areas of our life that our parents' stories feed into our relationships with our physical and how we relate. And I grew up with a dad who, um, he's still like this. He's a very hardworking, like, loves to go for runs, loves to train at the gym. Come on, Holly, you can lift heavier. You can do harder. Work out, work out, work out. And he also loves to peacock around how good he looks at, you know, oh. X age and, you know, his abs and blah, blah, blah. So there's that part of part of my upbringing with my dad but then with my mum she's always been heavily critical of her appearance my mum was a model she was Miss Northern Beaches and she grew up in this really toxic environment where there was always someone more beautiful there was always someone booking work that she was losing out on because of her physical and so she I I remember and bless her soul like she doesn't listen to the podcast so it's okay but I remember her saying to me do I look like that woman there or do I look more like that woman there and it was this comparison piece where she had such a warped perception of her physical she she couldn't even grasp what she looked like Mm -hmm. and so that was the kind of energies I was dancing between was do I look like these other women or these other women? And 
am I walking past the mirror holding my top up going, check out my abs? It's this real, like, one or the other mentality. It was Yeah, warped. that's so funny. My um, my mum never really gave a shit about, like, body image because she always had a bang and bod um, without even trying. Like, she had yeah. great boobs and was always really tiny. People would say to her, oh, my God, like, you're so skinny. And mum never cared about her weight. So she was just skinny because she was. like she. You yeah. Know. So she never, ever spoke about diets or, you know, low-fat milks or exercise. She never exercised, like, none of those things. Where my dad, God bless him, and looks amazing for his age, but obsessed with exercise, always mm. conscious about what he's eating, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I kind of got this back-to-front gender role thing with Interesting. my parents. Um, and I, I've definitely seen sides of myself that are like my dad in my youth where I became, you know, I mean, he's not obsessed now, but like obsessed with exercise and, you know, watching what I ate and trying every new diet and all the rest of it. Um, and I kind of, I mean, and we've spoken about this before as well, like I did all the things, nothing really made a difference. And now I'm just at a point where I'm like, if it feels good, I'll do it with both food and exercise. And if it doesn't, I ain't going to do it. I love that. I do not run because it hurts my boobs. I don't (laughs) like to profusely sweat during exercise. Like there are things, yeah, 100%. What is an interesting talking point with this, Jord, is that I've seen it in body image arenas where women will attack other women who may have, I guess, a stereotypically idealized body shape and say to them, well, you can't have a say about body love and body image. It's easy for you to say you've got X figure. And there's that piece around it actually doesn't matter as women as a collective we're carrying some level of shame with our physical regardless of our weight regardless of whether we're in proportion or not we've all got a thing a body part a trigger point an experience that is running on loop so I don't think it's fair for us to cast stones at women who are perceived to be more physically attractive than others and say you can't have a say in this matter because you are you look that way you know what I mean Oh, I know exactly what you mean because I, I've hit that wall a few times um, in my life with um, different work colleagues. You know, I was in publishing for a really long time, so this was always a prominent theme. Um, but also with my friends, like I got some tiny, tiny, tiny little friends who really have some serious body image issues and it's yeah you're not immune to it yeah, if you have yeah. what you perceive to be or your friends or your people around you have what is perceived to be a good body it's actually yeah. not about that at all because it's a mindset thing right it's it's actually got very little to do with the physical absolutely yeah and that i think that it's where discussions like this are important to show that it doesn't matter like women from all walks of life sharing their personal experience with their physical no matter what they look like so we know that we're all in it together and we can actually call each other out in these conversations and rather than it being a normal conversation to have where we berate our physical and say i just i I look gross in that photo or i just whatever it's like no actually i'm going to call you out on that and let's celebrate something that we're really in enjoying in our bodies yeah we've got to change the conversation okay so on that note I would love to hear about some things that you really love about your body like what are your what do you feel like are your key features Holly oh I love that question good one Joe. we didn't even plan that um well my first favorite thing is my smile yeah because I like to 
feel happy. <laughs> but I also think it's got a really great mouth to tooth ratio. <laughs> 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 I was like, what is this bullshit she's giving me about her smile? She better give me the Leo. I'm asking for the Leo response. You gave it okay. to me. Thank you. That's okay. And also, it hasn't always been the case, but I will say my boobs yeah. are one of my favourite now. I love my big boobies. They're oh, so the best. good. Yeah. How about you? Um, I would probably say, um, can I have a few things? I have a few yes. things I like about myself. Um, I really like my hair. Like, I'm really happy with my hair. It's always been really good to me, my hair. Um, I really like my lips. I feel like I've got very nice full lips that aren't too full and are not not too full. Um, (laughs) And if I had to pick one more thing, I would probably say my waist. It's one of the only things on my body that's teeny tiny, and I really enjoy it. You've got a beautiful figure. I love your waist. You. I love this. I, I want every listener to go into our Facebook yeah. group and share something about their physical that they love. Mm-hmm. And it can be your ears. It can be your eyebrows. Actually, that's my other one, my eyebrows. Yeah, I've never had do. to pluck them. They're so good. Thanks. I, I don't mind my eyebrows either. I just wish I had more of them. You know, good shape. Yeah, but you know how like bushy eyebrows are in. Like, I could never have a bushy brow. (laughs) (laughs) We should try it one day. We should (laughs) eyebrow implants. (laughs) Well, it'll be the next thing. I mean, you can kind of put growth stuff on them. Holly and I both have our face really close up to the Skype camera. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. Are there certain things that other people compliment you on that always surprise you? Yes. Yes, yes, my legs always surprise me because I've always been hypercritical of them. This is what I was actually going to say. Isn't it interesting that other people will see in you things you don't see? So it's since high school I've I've received compliments on my legs and honestly, Jord, I used to be so mean to them because they're quite muscular um, and they're not necessarily long. So when people say that, my legs are my bum, I'm like, I don't really even have a bum. See, I think they're really long, your legs. Really? Yeah, but maybe just because in comparison to Shorty McShort over here. <laughs> I think that maybe that's they what are it is. long. Oh, thanks. No, it feels nice as well because it's like, oh, I wouldn't have said that. So it's good. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I don't know. I To be honest with you, I think people compliment me on the things that I actually just complimented myself on. Um, some of the weirder things is a lot of people like my hands because they're very small. Yes. And and my feet also, I think, because they're very small and petite looking. Like, as far as feet go, they're not, like, feet aren't the prettiest of body parts, but people do compliment me on my feet. I love when you get a foot compliment because yeah. feet are not necessarily ideal. No, no. Um, do you know what's interesting, though? Talking this out, I'm reminding myself of all the weird things that I used to criticize myself about. Like, when you said hands... I used to hate my ring finger and think, oh, shit, that's the finger that people are going to look at the most when I get married. And I hated the nail on it. Oh, what, what's wrong it's with the, it? Nothing. Nothing. I'm looking at now I'm like, it's like a normal finger. But I honestly, through high school, I was like, it, it's my worst finger. <gasps> oh, my God. It's so weird, isn't it? Oh, odd. I know. It's funny. I like I, I have quite a Jewish nose. Sorry to all the Jews out there. But I got it from the Levine side of the family. When I was younger, 
it used to be my everything. Like I would catch it in bus windows. I would see it in shop windows. I, I used to hate, like I would avoid my profile facing certain people. God, I don't even think about it anymore. I'm like, who could be bothered thinking about your nose? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's the thing that it, what you said before, George, the wasted energy. It's like, okay, where are you leaking energy and obsessing over something that people, and that's the other thing, we think people care way more than they actually do. People are too busy caring about themselves. Oh my God, they don't even notice. <laughs> when we're down at the beach and we're wondering, oh God, I'm feeling self-conscious in my full piece on my bikini right now. Every other woman on that beach is thinking the exact same thing about themselves and not about you. And here's the thing as well, right? Like, so my pain point is my legs. Like, I just, it's just always been my legs. So when I'm on the beach, I always compare myself to other women's legs. Whereas I've got a really flat stomach and other people with beautiful legs are probably comparing their stomach to my stomach and being like, oh God, I wish my stomach was as flat as hers. So it's like, let's, and it's not about going, okay, like just concentrate on your stomach, forget about your legs. It's like, just let it all go. Let it all go because it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't. And look, it's easier said than done, right? The letting it go piece. But that's what I want to ask you, George. Like what are some techniques that have helped you shift into a place of acceptance with your body? Uh, Well, look, I'd like to be honest. I'm still not in a complete state of acceptance with my body, but far better than I used to be. Um, I think I kind of have just had to own it and be like, (laughs) my body is my home. You know, and, but it, but it is right. It's like, I I only have this one body. Um, and I've tried to do everything that I can, that I meant to do to get it to where I thought I could get it. But this is my body. And if I keep pushing it away, then I'm going to live a really miserable existence. And here's the thing, right? Like, I think that if we really, really, really think about it, what we're concerned about mostly with our body is other people's perception of it right like because if everybody else loved how you looked and you didn't it wouldn't matter because that's all you want is other people's approval that's what this is about a hundred percent so I'm at the state the stage now where you know my friends and I don't think they're just being nice always tell me oh you know you've got a beautiful body jaw like I love your curves and all the rest of it every man I've ever been with has loved my curves has never had an issue with them so I'm just kind of at the state now where I'm like if you like a girl with a bit of a butt then I'm the girl for you and if you don't then I'm not and that's okay either way yeah it's interesting. I said this in my live and I will say it again at one of my lives this week where we forget that the only constant guaranteed that we have, like the only constant relationship we have our entire life is the relationship with ourselves and our physical bodies. Mm. If our physical body wasn't in existence, we would not be here living life. So it's so interesting that we put so much energy and investment in, you know, the money and career and relationship and love and friendship and family and home and travel. And it's like, but that could all go in a heartbeat, including, you know, your husband or your wife or your child. They're not guaranteed for life, but our bodies are guaranteed until the day we die. So how can we start to create, it's almost like a a respect 
relationship with it and a pl- from a place of reverence and almost saying, I'm sorry for neglecting you. Like, me and you are a team. We're in this whole life. So mm. how do we shift that, you know? Yeah. And I guess, like, the things you berate yourself for, you would never berate another person for. Never, ever. Do you know what's really heavy, Jord? I wasn't going to share this, but I will. Because like you said, I still haven't got this figured out either. It's it's part of the parcel of being a woman, right? When I was accepted into Bella, I was like, okay, finally. Finally, I can go, well, I, I'm signed to a modeling agency, so I must be beautiful. I must have an inverted commas ideal body because I've got an agent now. And Trent called me out on it. He's like, have you noticed how your confidence has just totally shifted in yourself because of that? And I sat with it. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty heavy because, again, it's the external validation that's giving us permission to actually feel embodied. And that's not the nicest thing. No, and then it's like, you get to that point and then the perception shifts, right? So it's like, oh, once I get booked for jobs, then I'm validated. Yes, that's exactly it. I've been to two castings. They haven't booked me. It's like, okay, that's okay. I'm okay with the rejection in that way. But when am I going to book a job? Because that will be the next thing. It's It just, it never ends. And this is why we've got to stop putting goalposts on it and go, this is a, a relationship that we are cultivating for life. So how can we go easy on ourselves and actually put shifts into place that focus on our mindset and how we relate to our body from there and not what the billion dollar weight loss industry is telling us to do? Because that just feeds on our shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say, and not that it's ever about this, but when I started to really start to work on body image and body shame from a mindset perspective, and I did quite a bit of work in kinesiology over it with Zoe, um, I, for the first time in a really long time, dropped almost 10 kilos just from shifting the shame around it. 100%. It's the energetic weight. We carry so much energetically jawed and we almost do not give ourselves permission to release because we're in this, like, what is it? It's a tense, tense energetic place of can't let go, can't let go, can't let go. And it's phenomenal to me. I've done a lot of work with Zoe on this as well. She's great. Yeah. So, Hold, do you have like... You know, like comparison is such a big thing, right? This is Huge. what we were talking about before. And, you know, we were kind of lucky or maybe you weren't lucky. Well, I was lucky that social media wasn't a massive thing when I was at school. So the only comparison I had was with models. It wasn't so much with my peers except my immediate peers. Yes. But, but now it's a real issue, right? So um, there's this real turnaround, you know, in, in having people in your feed that actually like fuel body positivity. So mm-hmm. do, you, do you have certain people who you follow that are like your body posy pals? Absolutely. This is so key. It's actually something that we look at in detail in the program. So I, I've created a resource list of all the accounts that I recommend women follow, as well as documentaries to watch, music to listen to, blah, blah, blah. But some keys to just have a look at now are Body Posy Panda. I'll, I'll stick these ones in the newsletter. They can be my second recos for the week, a couple of them. And then there are uh, Chelsea Bonner, obviously, founder of Bella, is wonderful. And there are a few others. So I might pick my top three to four and stick them in the newsletter list yeah, cool. this week. And then if you're interested in more, I have a whole resource of them in my body, my home. So but good. also go out and, and unfollow, unfollow. Yeah, that's what I did. I was about to say, I actually don't follow any body posies except Chelsea Bonner, but I just unfollowed everyone that made me feel about myself 
Yeah, it's so easy to do. I do not follow any Kardashians, not because I don't love to binge on them from time to time, but because they set an ideal, like an unrealistic beauty standard on me and I know that it triggers me, so I don't follow. Yeah. It's that easy. Yeah, that easy. yeah, that can be your... Um, homework. Homework for the week, y'all. Um, and we want to hear it. We want to hear all about your body image stories. So definitely share them with us in the Facey group. It's a, fa- it's, a, it's a face. It's a safe environment in there for you to do so absolutely and please if you're sharing be sure to include a piece of your body in an envelope in our mail no i'm joking be sure to include be sure to include a piece of your body that you're proud of and that you love (laughs) (laughs) do not chop a finger up and send it in the mail oh my god yesterday (laughs) far out um okay holly what is your reco for the week I'm recoing an album, George, oh, that I love. so good. And I mentioned this artist in our music chat. His name is Dermot Kennedy. And I came across Dermot, actually. I just want to toot my own horn for a second here. Wow, my... Holly, that is so not like you. This is going to be a I first for the podcast. Everybody, Holly's about to toot her own horn. <laughs> it's not even like a toot my own horn. It's more like a famous by association story. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry about okay, that. go. So I, I came across Dermot Kennedy because one of my girlfriends, Sinead, who tends to listen to the podcast, her cousin was in Australia from Ireland the end of last year. And she's like, I really want you to meet my cousin. She's all about manifestation and yoga and she's amazing. She's here because her boyfriend's on tour. Now, her boyfriend was Dermot Kennedy and I didn't know about him at the time. He was playing at the end more. Um, and so I started to listen to him off the back of meeting Ashlyn and he released his album last month, George. Oh, this man. If you love Ed Sheeran, you will love Dermot Kennedy. He's Irish, which is just like 10. But bonus. It's hot, so hot. And his music is poetry. It's He writes his songs. They're all about love. They're very, they're moving. You could cry listening to this album because they just move you. A few of my favourite tracks, Power Over Me, is a belter and it's beautiful but I also love glory and uh to all my friends all my friends it's called so just listen to the album from start to finish it's called without fear by Dermot Kennedy and let me know what your favorite track is because there's so many goodies what's your reco okay so um my reco this week surprise surprise is another tv show oh my god how embarrassing but guys this one is really good it's um it's on Amazon Prime, so I know a lot of people probably don't have an Amazon Prime uh, membership membership. But if you get the free trial, this is absolutely worth it. It's a mini series called Modern Love, and it's based on the New York Times um, column, also called A Modern Love, which is a series of essays. What hole? I've seen the ads for this and I've been meaning to bring it up with you and be like, have you watched it? Because I will get Amazon Prime for it just based on the ads alone. It is incredible. So I think there's about eight episodes. They're all separate stories. Um, They're all set in New York, which, you know, is my favorite setting. And um, it's just modern love. So it's love story, unusual love stories. And they're all true because they're all essays that were part of the column. So, um, so good so many great actors in it um and a hundred percent worth downloading amazon prime for it i love that that's your reco and you didn't tell me because i've been thinking of you every time i see the ad i'm like 
I've got to watch this with Jord. Yeah, it's so good. I'd watch it with you again. I actually got mum to watch it. She binged it yesterday. <laughs> She's like, wow. oh my God, episode four. Oh my God, episode seven. I'm like, I know, they're all so good. They're very unusual love stories and they're all true. Like they're all true. Um, and they're all adapted from some of the best essays that have come up through that column. It's 15 years old, that column. They've got um, Anne, ha- Anne Hathaway's in it. Yeah, and- Anne Hathaway, Tina Fey, um, lots of familiar faces. I'm not sure of their names. The guy from Lion, you know the guy yes. from Lion? Yeah. Um, that beautiful blonde girl from Ozark. I don't know if people ever watched Ozark. She was great in that. Um, yeah, lots of lots of familiar faces, brilliant acting, and just incredible stories. Yeah, it's that's really, what I'm really going to do. I might do it today. Yeah, why not? Yeah, love it. It's like watching mini movies too, because each episode is its own story, and it goes for about forty minutes. And it's yeah, it's great. Such a good reco. Love Modern it. Love. Modern love. So speaking of love, Holly, I feel like your Teach Me Something New is very in line with this topic. I think you could even say that it's a modern take on how you relate to love in a way. Except that it's quite old, right? It's pretty fucking old. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm teaching us all about the love languages. Yeah, I'm so glad because, you know what, I talk about them all the time, but I've never, I've never, I actually have no idea what they all are. I'm just like, this is my love language, but I don't know what it is. So tell me what they are. And this is what happens, Jord. I I see it with people. They're like, I'm pretty sure my love language would be this. I'm like, well, have you done the test? Because you would be surprised. So what I'm going to do is share the background of what the love languages are and then how I've experienced them in my relationship with Trani. So... The Five Love Languages is a best-selling book by Gary Chapman. Now, this book has sold over 12 million copies worldwide. It is, when you're in the personal development world, a bit of a cult classic. Sorry, note to self and you and us, everyone. Love sells. Love sells because everybody has a story about love and can relate to love and is seeking love. And I just love love. Oh my God, I love love. I love love so much. Actually, I want to give you guys this quote from Dr. Gary Chapman. It is, love is a choice you make every day. Mic drop. (laughs) So Dr. Gary Chapman is a psychologist and he was a counsellor for relationships. And the reason that the five love languages was born... (laughs) It's such a tongue twister. Try saying it three times. Five love languages, five love, but it's (laughs) fucked. But the reason the book was born was off the back of his practice and techniques and tools he started to give his clients where he saw powerful shifts. Now, I'm going to read this from the Love Languages website, which I'll put in the newsletter, but it says, you love each other, right? So why does it feel like you're not on the same page? The most common issue in any relationship is the communication barrier. Everyone experiences love differently and it's easy to miss the mark when it comes to showing that you care. So what Gary teaches in this book, and I highly recommend whether you're in a relationship or not, you read it because the love languages don't just play out in your romantic relationships. They play out in every relationship, be it family, like parent to child, you with your sibling, you with your bestie. If you're aware of your love languages and how you expect to receive love and then you're aware of other people's love languages in your life, you can show up as a better conduit of love for that person. So what he teaches is there are five ways that people like to receive love and we have a preference of one or two. 
Now, our preferences aren't necessarily obvious and they're not necessarily the ways that our partner is likes to receive love. And that plays out in mind and trance relationship all the time. So the five love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Mm. So I'll explain a little more about each of those and then I'll explain how you can find out what yours are. So can you have all five? Well, here's the thing. I didn't think that they could change, but they're not, they change, they change. I did my love languages the first time I read this book by, it was loaned to be by my friend Jess Putty, who also listens to the potty. Hey, Jess. Jess Ma, do you do that, by the way, segue? When your friends get married, they could be married for years and years, but you still call them by their maiden name. Oh, absolutely. And then sometimes I'm so used to using their married name that I have a blank of their maiden name that I called them for like decades and then I, <laughs> my brain so starts confusing. to fry. But yes, I do do that. Anyway, I just did that then. Jess Mart slash Jess Putty. So three years ago I read this book and my love languages were different to what they are now because I did redid the test this year. So that absolutely can change. And also in different moments you might prefer one more over the other. Mm-hmm. So words of affirmation is just that. You give love and love to receive love by speaking speaking or writing, sending thoughtful messages, I love you, you're beautiful, you mean so much to me. It's speaking it out or hearing it back, you know. You you love to receive love when someone says, I love you, you're beautiful, I'm so proud of you, can you're doing you, so well. Can you give love in a different language than you receive love? Do you know what? I was literally just thinking that. I need to reread the book. So if anyone is more familiar with this than I am, I'd love to hear as well because I feel like I I naturally do a tendency toward the ones that I love but that I love to receive. But when you're more aware of all the different ones, you find yourself kind of adapting to what the person is more receptive to. And that's the point. Yeah, I mean, because just on that one alone, I'm a bit like, I like to receive words of affirmation, but I'm not much of a giver of words of affirmation. That is so interesting. (laughs) Maybe that's something for you to sit with and think about. Yeah. (laughs) Because, well, right, it's like if you want to receive something. Yeah, or or a better example, which doesn't make me look like such a cold-hearted bitch, is I love to give presents, but I don't need to receive presents in order to feel loved. That is a big one for me. In fact... Giving presents is last on my list of priorities. Giving, no. But here's the thing. It's not giving, it's receiving gifts, right? So receiving gifts is not our love language, but happy to give them. But how we might show love is what I'm saying. So I think this must be all about receiving love. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. But if you're listening to this and you have a take on it, please let me know. So words of affirmation, I've explained. Acts of service is... Uh, cleaning the dishes, doing the cooking, cleaning the house, doing the laundry, like take like Is that yours holding? No, it's not mine, it's trans. (laughs) And it just kills me because that is not how I want to receive love. I can get to all of that, you know? But that's acts of service, some people, that's their thing. Receiving gifts, like if you give me a present, I feel like you love me. Like if you and, – and receiving gifts isn't just like big presents and grand gestures. It could be like writing a little post-it note, which would tick a few boxes and 
putting it in your wallet. It's like, oh, that's a little gift. That's a little token, you so, know? So then is that your love language? Because you like to receive them. If Yeah, if you like to receive gifts, that that's your love language. And the thing is you'll have all of these, but it's where is your preference? Mm. Where does your priority lie most? Quality time, which is spending actual one-on-one in-person time with the person. And physical touch, which isn't necessarily sex. It's affection. It's hand-holding. It's cuddling. It's kissing. It's, oh, my God, I love that you cringe at that because that's my lo- that is my love language. No, I'm not cringing at that. I just like – I think for me it's not – priority it's like yeah uh, from what you've said I think maybe um quality time 100% for me mm. and what's communication words of affirmation yeah I guess so I think we need to reread the book and get crystal clear on some of the intricacies of this but the way it plays out in my relationship with Trent when I first did this I got him to do the test as well it's a free online quiz guys I'll pop the link in the newsletter so you just do the quiz and try not to manipulate the answers based on what you think your love language is just be really indifferent to it and see what comes up now for me at the time it was quality time and it was physical touch you can have a preference to one or two but it's so interesting that mine has now shifted quality time isn't actually a thing because this was before we were living together now we live together i'm like i see him all the time i much prefer words of affirmation now Mm. but with trent when he did it it came back as receiving gifts was his number one love language and that blew me away because anytime it was christmas anniversary birthday I, because receiving gifts is down on my list, would say, let's just not do presents. Let's just go somewhere or like do something together because quality time was my love language. Little did I know in me not giving Trent a gift, he's like, she doesn't love me. Not that extreme, but he's like, oh, there's this disconnect in our relationship. So now knowing that his love language is receiving gifts on a fortnightly basis, I'd say, I don't like schedule it in, but I will go out and I'll buy him a little thing to let him know that I love him because it actually means something to him. And Mm. it was only last week I was on Burke Street and I walked past the Burke Street Bakery. I'm like, I'll go in and get Trent a little treat because it means a lot to him. And I popped it in the fridge and rang him and said, there's a little present for you in the fridge. And he said, honestly, I just got so excited hearing that and it means so much to me. Like it actually does. Whereas if he came home with like presents, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But like hold my hand and tell me you love me. Oh, God, you're hard work. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my love languages do not cost money. <laughs> no, no, and they're so beautiful. I, yeah, I like that too. I, want, I should do the test. Do the test. I, on Guys, it changes It changes your relationship dynamic. It's so interesting. I had to remind Trent about our love languages on the weekend because I've been I, – I can be overbearing at times with my need for physical touch. I love cuddles and I will just get in his face and he's been pushing me away. Like he's just been like – you're in my grill and I'm like babe I don't think you realize when you do that it's like a stab in the heart being like he doesn't love me because he doesn't want me suffocating his physical you know Mm. so we've just gotta it's it's almost like a matter of compromise for your partner's love language and what it is totally totally it's so interesting isn't it because you know we think so much about you know value alignment and (laughs) natal chart alignment and (laughs) (laughs) but it's like yeah it's like what do you want like what how do you like to show love and how do you like to receive love and have you even communicated that or are you just assuming they're gonna know 
Exactly. We yeah. don't know. And it's fun because it's like a little quiz and you get to sit down and do it together. Like, make it a thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really kind of stumped on what mine is. So interesting. Yeah, I'm fascinated to know because then I'll be able to show up more for you in given out. I mean, we probably do it naturally anyway because our chemistry is so great. I know. Well, you definitely give me words of affirmation. I'm not sure the last time I received a gift off you um, other than your much. golden nuggets of wisdom. Um, <laughs> no, you sent me flowers the other day, actually. So definitely send me gifts. Um, what else is there? Acts of service. Acts of service. Um you, I left you, gro- you went grocery shopping for me one time. It's true. I did do that. Yeah. You told me to, but I did it. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I told you to. You, <laughs> you did it. I offered. Um, and what are the other ones? Quality time. Qual- well, you definitely give me that. And, and physical touch. Mm. We could be better at that. <laughs> <laughs> what about the love language of bringer of the lols? Is that your love language? I feel like my love language is humour. I feel like that needs to be a love language. Really? Actually, no, Trent's not funny. No, he's kind of funny, but I'm funnier. I think he's got a sense of humour. I think that you think you're funnier than anyone that's ever existed on planet Earth. Yeah, I yeah. know. Deluded. Um, <laughs> speaking of deluded, <laughs> did you watch The Bachelorette last night? Did I watch it? Yeah, through sobs and fetal position tears. Oh, yeah, the Kieran stuff was sad, wasn't it? I th- thought it was really interesting uh, and I loved the way that they showed it on television because you never see a man crying on television, especially such an extroverted, seemingly confident man who was going through some real stuff, you know. I it adore It was beautiful. Him. Yeah, it was really beautiful. And just the kiss. Oh, my God, I know the kiss sent you into a tailspin. He's going to come back, I'm telling you. Yeah, I he's going to come, come back, back too. But where I was going with my deluded segue, and I'm being serious now, like I'm not here making fun of someone, is Jamie. And I'm sorry, having been semi-recently with someone who had Jamie qualities, it's a serious issue. And I think that, yes, Channel 10 portrayed him in this light of, you know, do, 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 you know, mm-hmm. psycho music behind it. But it, I think it's actually quite a serious issue. He he was very, very unhinged with mm. no self-awareness whatsoever. And we both said that he reminded us a lot of that Netflix series, You. You. Yeah, absolutely. Um you could see the fear in Angie's face a lot of the time when she was in conversation with him and especially when she had to let him go. You could see she was she was scared. And uh, she was trying to pacify him. So she just kept saying what he needed to hear to get yeah. through to the next thing. Yeah. It was what what I'm concerned – I'm in two minds about it because I'm like it's good that Channel 10 can show a man like this mm. and obviously Angie was safe at all times – but they obviously got him on the show because they saw that he had these Unhinged. tendencies, yeah. you know, and he was unstable and had no self-awareness whatsoever. So is there this um, irresponsibility from the network in a situation like this to produce entertainment for all of us? Mm. And is there a way they should have done it differently? 
Yeah, it's a really hard question, George, because yes, it made for good watching. And it's almost like similarly, they didn't, they actually didn't do it this year with The Bachelor. They tried to with Abby, but she wasn't the bitch. But they usually do with The Bachelor, they get the bitch in and they stir up the trouble and blah, blah, blah. And that's their story. And then they end up getting fully bullied and all of those things. So it's almost their bachelorette, bachelorette equivalent to mm. the inverted commas bitch character it, and and uh, i think it's different though i, I, I agree because, because we've had not a character no and we've had pot stirrers on the bachelorette before yeah he wasn't a pot stirrer he was actually a little bit psycho yeah i agree i agree i think i think what it is most pointing to is that there are men that exist out there like that well, and that's scary yeah but there's also women like that out there so there's people, yeah you're right there's people there's like people. that out there yeah i'm not i'm not sure of the answer with that one it i, I was kind of sick of the jamie storyline the whole time it wasn't like oh what's he gonna do next it's like can he just go already like he's actually irritating so i'm glad he's gone yeah i'm i'm glad he's gone too there's actually a bunch of really great guys left Oh, my God, I love them all. I, yeah. I love them all. I'm surprised because on that first night, we were both like, oh, weird bunch, weird crew. Yeah. But some beautiful souls in there, like really, oh. really lovely men. Lovely men. And she is incredible. And I just think, the I know we both think the world of her. So oh, I'm so excited about the finale with this one. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's not far off. You know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they move through The Bachelorette a lot faster than The Bachelor. I did notice that. I'm like, oh, we're getting rid of lots of guys at a quick pace here. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The ratings are yeah. never as good, although this rating season is a lot higher than the last one. Is it? Well, yeah, that – who was the last one? Ali. That had oh, really I didn't watch bad, it. really bad ratings. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even watch it. No. Good choice by Channel 10. Yeah. So My Body, My Home launches today officially. <laughs> It's officially launched, my friends. I'm really excited about it. So I might just share a little bit more about it if you guys are interested. This has been nine months in the works and there's nothing like this, Jord. I am going to toot my own horn because there isn't anything like this when it comes to body love work, as far as I know. So it's a short and simple program that looks at rewiring the stories and the limiting beliefs that we tell ourselves associated with our body and bringing us back into an energetic vibration of feeling at home Mm. because we can go around and repeat all the affirmations in the mirror and do all of the things that we're being told to on social when it comes to loving your body but if we're not actually vibrating in an energetic point of love energy and dealing with the limiting beliefs that are getting in the way of that then we're only going to get so far when it comes to our physical And obviously I've invested years and years and thousands and thousands of dollars in working on my own body. And this has just been this very organic result of the key pieces that I feel are at the root of any woman's relationship with their body. And so that is first week we look at mindset. So actually doing a root cause analysis on what are the sabotaging behaviors and thoughts that you have running on loop in your mind and how can you change them because mm. our brains are malleable and we can. Week two, we look at feelings and how can you embody more of a feeling of at-homeness in your body. Week three, we dive into sensuality and it's like a tiptoe and a gentle introduction into sensuality. And I speak about this on my social all the time that 
as women, we must embrace the sensual aspect of our physical because it's part and parcel yeah. and there's that's where the shame piece comes up. Mm. And then week four, we look at love as an energetic frequency, but we also look at self-love versus self-care and how those two things are actually really different. And so at the end of the program, you walk away with these tools that you actually have for the rest of your life that filter into all areas of your life, but we use them in relationship to our bodies. And then there's an integration week and you get a resource list and it's all very fun. So if this is speaking to you, I'm actually hosting a free webinar tonight, uh, as in Monday the 4th of November. You can join that by the link in my Insta bio. But if you're listening to this after the fact, the cart's going to be open for a week and I'd love to invite you to join me on this journey. It's really exciting. So exciting. Congratulations, honey. You've been speaking about this for a very long time, so it's really nice to see it come into fruition. Thanks, my gal. It's all been divinely timed. You've been listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Azapati, and your dad, honey. Join our Facebook group. Just search The Middle Podcast Show and follow us on Instagram at the__middle__podcast. See you in the My Body, My Home cart. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Plug, plug, plug. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.